0: Well, oh, good morning, saints, souls, here and uh, near and far. I had a bad dream last night. It's bad because it was about sermon prep. And it was about trying to prepare a sermon about Abraham on three events in his life that never happened and me trying to sort out how they could be turned into a sermon, though they never happened. (laughs) And I don't know how much time I spent of my sleeping time trying to prepare this sermon on Abraham on events that never happened. But I I woke up ready to look at anything but Abraham. (laughs) Um, But my wife last night had mentioned we were having a discussion in the library Uh, regarding something, something, something. And uh, she brought up Matthew 13, a a short parable, one verse parable, about the treasure found in a field and selling everything you have to gain that. And I think because I had had a fake dreaming demand that I make a sermon out of Abraham, and I'd gone to sleep thinking about a passage in Acts, trying to, it was a real passage, and it really did happen, but I was wondering if I could make a sermon out of this passage in Acts, um, the Philippian jailer situation. So I was pretty worked over in sermon ideas, and so when I rested in the teaching of Christ um, in Matthew 13, where we are today, Matthew 13:24, 24, uh, it's so refreshing uh, the Lord is. Uh, you can. You can. You can have a sermon falling on a log in in the Lord's teaching. Now, what's interesting about Matthew thirteen is it's right after. It's the first part of the uh, chapter which we are not covering, is the parable of the sower. Probably contender for the most well-known parable ever. And not only is it the well-known parable ever, it's the parable in which the Lord teaches the disciples about parables in general. Alright? So, by the time you get down to uh, the end of his explanation about the parable of the sower, you walk right into a parable um, of the wheat and the tares. Now, less popular, it's like driving a Mitsubishi, uh, you might be a good car, but it's not, it's not a Toyota. Another parable he put before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Oh, no. Not seed again. Not field again. But while men were sleeping... His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then has it weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, what happens a lot of times, is, as we're reading quickly through our daily assignment, scripture reading, and we have just finished the parable of the sower, and you get thrown into another parable of a sower in a field, you start making assumptions about what you learned about the last parable. It's an interesting thing to track as you're looking, first, First you look at the context, what's coming, if it gives an explanation or not. You look at what other things it's crowded around with. And then you look at whether or not it occurs in any of the other Gospels, the synoptics. It does not, this one does not. The parable immediately before it the parables immediately afterwards do. And that's going to come up in our, in our looking at these things. Because he says the kingdom of God may be compared. At the bottom of your sermon notes the memorable verses out of Luke. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? That's what these parables are all doing. You see that this started out, the kingdom of God may be compared to a man. Uh, Verse 31, another parable he put before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like. And then in Verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then in verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like. 45, And the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, we need to compare it. Now, the wording in Luke is different. It says in in the same parable, the mustard seed, which is next after the tares. He says, what is the kingdom of God like? Verse 20 of Luke 13 is, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? We are being instructed to build a vision of the kingdom that follows the will of God. That's basically when you say a kingdom is something. A kingdom of God, like a kingdom of England. When you say, as soon as you say England, you mean the rules, the laws that the English monarch, the king or queen of England, put on them they must obey. When you say the kingdom of God, you are saying, what kind of rule am I living under? What kind of expectations should I have? What kind of pressure should I answer? So the parable of the sower, which we all, again, have a great time with, because it compares each of us to a type of soil, right? There was pathway soil, and there's rocky soil, there's weedy soil, and there was good soil. And you bear a lot of fruit if you're good soil. The seed was the word of God. But I want you to be conscious of what you're building. As you read through the parables, he says in this passage, I'm going to jump ahead to it a little bit, um, Verse 34 of uh, chapter 13 of Matthew. All this Jesus said to the crowd in parables. So he's gone through the sower, he's gone through the wheat and tares, he's gone through the mustard seed, he's gone through the leaven, and then he says, he said everything in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Psalm 78. Where is Psalm 78? Um, it says a little differently in, in our text. Um, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. And that's really, when you start reading through the parables of our Christ, you start realizing the almost... Heavy darkness of blindness that you might feel. So you've got to start piecing it together. You start saying, I'm studying this. I want to ask him questions. I want to have him establish me in what the kingdom of God can be compared to. It's like sowing in a field your wheat, and then an enemy comes along. You have ever wondered where the weeds come from? Somebody comes into your yard at night and sows thistles. Um, it's also like a mustard seed, which is basically a simple parable. Mustard seed that grows really big after it has been really small. So you can have hope. One, you say, what can I start checking off? I don't want to overextend my claims about parables. I don't want to say because the mustard seed grew into a big bush, therefore, Christianity is going to take over the world. I'm going to say it does have a huge growth potential, very, very um, um, successful in its growth. It also has, the next parable, um, What's the word? Is the word prevalence? Pervasive. The leaven parable. Verse um, 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, till it was all leavened. It is pervasive. But you could, if you read those two parables, if somebody said, you know, I'm an optimist, and I want some you know, things coming up and put on my fridge every morning that just get me jazzed about the kingdom of God. We're going to win this thing. We're going to win this thing. And you have to check it off. You have to say, yes, it has huge growth potential, too. It is manifestly pervasive. But this is surrounded by the parable of the tares and the wheat. Just given, earlier part of the chapter, interpreted at the end and they left the crowds and went into the house now remember just like with the parable of the sower, the people didn't understand they weren't supposed to understand he told his disciples for to them it had been given so we're not only putting together the kingdom of heaven in our mind a certain way we're realizing that it's a uh, it's a club it's a, it's a place you get to be at where you start to study and understand what God has told us in these parables. And his disciples came to him, saying, "Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field." Can you imagine having just had the one of the sower, where people were different kinds of soil, weeds were only one part of that story. There was rocky ground. There was, you know, how are we, what are we going to do with this other one? He answered, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. That's similar, right? Back in the other one, he said, uh, And then he says something a little confusing The field is the world. Okay, that's close. But it's all in the field. It's not off the field, in the bad parts, the rocky ground, etc. It's all in the field. And that field is the world. And this is where it gets uh, different. And the good seed means the sons of the kingdom. The seed in the last parable was the word of God. Now you're the seed. The sons of the kingdom are the seed that the master, the son of man, is sowing in the field of the world. It's going to change how you see things. It's going to change what the sons of the kingdom are witnessing because the weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age and the reapers are angels. Okay, got everybody in place. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and throw them into the furnace of fire. Their men will weep and gnash their teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So what do I do? I was an optimist for a little bit there with my, my mustard bush getting really big. I'm so proud of myself. I got a little potted plant in my house, and I went from a seed to a good-sized bush. And it's like I took it outside and planted it, and every potential other thing started growing up and around it and, and making the comparison different. I was only thinking of how much size shift between the mustard seed, small, and the mustard bush, big, that is one of the qualities of the kingdom. It's going to grow. And compared to its beginning, it's going to grow large. And compared to leaven, it's going to be pervasive, like leaven is. But it's going to be in a field. You're going to be trying to produce field, producing a field, where the sons of the evil one are sowed just as much, maybe more, as you. And our master, because of course you want to do something about it, because Lord, there are weeds in the lawn, can't we go out there with one of those little roundup or whatever it is, your little pop things, pop them out and burn them all off. And he says, no, 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 no. The fruit that you are producing, if you try to root out the wicked, the enemies of God, while we're still in the field, you're going to root up some of the good as well. And, boy, you see that with any kind of church ministry, Christian mission, that tries to be, you might say, policing the faithful, policing the righteous. They find themselves reacting very negatively towards people. You kind of think, well, yeah, they're Christians too, and they shouldn't have yanked up their efforts. The Lord seems to understand that it'd be better for us in the kingdom of heaven. What is it to be compared to? It's supposed to be compared to a field with weeds in it, where the people that are producing the wheat are producing the wheat, knowing full well the weeds are there, and what their source is, and why we're not rooting them up. Because on some day, when the justice of God, not the rashness of angels... Never get the impression that angels are just ready to punch somebody, you know. Right now, I mean, remember Satan was an angel. I mean, it seems like he was always accusing everybody and pointing around. What well, he did stuff wrong. The angelic choir is a very, very persnickety group of old women <laughs> that uh, blaming everybody, and the master who is much more loving and much more good has to say, no boys, settle down. Settle down. If you did that, you would uproot some of the wheat. And mercy, let's let's just trust that the believers, the, the people who are sons of the kingdom, who were planted in my field, who are the ones producing fruit, will say, okay, that's just the way the kingdom of God is. It's going to be judged and punished at the end. It's not judged and punished now. Whatever you conceive of the close of the age to be. It could have been the end of Judaism, it could be the end of the world, however you want to say it. And remember that as you look at these descriptions, they don't take them too far. Don't say, and what are watermelon seeds representing in the Cato? Well, just the mustard seed, folks. <laughs> don't go anywhere else. Don't try to build something new out of the parables of our Lord. But what you need to build is that this present patience, this waiting, knowing that you're going to be standing in the field of the world, not just the field of the church. He's not saying the church is like, or the kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven illustration is the world, because it all belongs to Jesus Christ. All of this is under his judgment. It's not the church that's the kingdom of heaven. It's the world that is the kingdom of heaven. It all belongs to Christ. He doesn't, in this case, see the detriment, the bad thing, the, the enemy as anything more than an enemy. An enemy that will be judged. We sometimes as we look at the, say, the parable of the sower, we go, oh, oh it's a path person. Oh, the seed fell on them as a path. What can I do to improve their lot so the path would be plowed up and fertilizer put down and make it, you know, clear out the weeds or clear out the rocky soil so that they can grow up and not be. We're always thinking ministry. It's a good-heartedness in believers. Jesus knows perfectly well that at, by the end, this is still there's still going to be a boatload of wheat that is surrounded by a boatload, maybe probably bigger of weeds. We'll gather the weeds first. We'll tie them in bundles. We'll burn them. You have to be ready to admit that like we are children of our father. They are children of their father. They are the sons of the evil one. The devil is the one who sows them in the world. The wickedness, I don't know if you have a a sweetie, nice view of the world, and you just want to stick with the the parables of of yeast and mustard or whether you want to take on this kind of grim lack just a grim putting up with knowing full well that God in his mercy is letting it happen but you are having to take on that God was going to do something on the last day that is going to be unpleasant for 90% of the world now I have the portion out of Luke, down at the bottom. Luke, It's also Luke 13, so that helpful to remember where things are. Matthew 13, Luke 13. And he gets into the mustard seed here in 13:18. 18, with the kingdom of God like mustard seed. Verse 20, what well, should I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven, which a woman hid in three measures of flour. Same two parables, which are right in the middle, of the parables in Matthew. So I'm I'm suggesting to you there could be a, a thread that followed a different path in a conversation that Luke picks up on and puts it together with. Because the next thing he says, the next thing that happens in Luke is, and someone said to him, verse 23, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter by the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the householder has risen up and shut the door, you will begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. He will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Now this is a different image. But it follows the same idea that at the time of the judgment, at the time of the end, at the time of, of when the, the roll is called up yonder or the, 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 the book of life is checked out, There's a narrowness that I have to get through to be in on it. And those that are not part of it will have every reason to think because the judgment did not fall on them, because the angels did not come and uproot the weeds, they were able to live in a Christianized country in the Western European tradition, celebrating Christmas and Easter, bunnies and eggs and and good wisdom about law and order, all sorts of good things, and and you even swear with Jesus' name. That's, that's convenient. Don't have to learn about another religion. You just swear using your own religion. We know that. We know that people are taking a lot for granted because, because of the patience, because the mercy of God to those of us who are going to produce fruit. Remember, he's worried that the sons of the evil one, if rooted up, would uproot some of the wheat as well. Not that it would spoil the sons of the evil one's chances to turn around. No, it was so that they would not hurt the lives of us trying to do good works in this life. The few of us there may be, it's a narrow door, much like I have it on the side here, That in Matthew 7, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy, it leads to destruction. And those that enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard, that leads to life. And those that find it are few. Now, it's a separate passage. It could be coming up with a separate image, but it says, strive to enter by the narrow door. We are living in a world that not only grows and is pervasive, but is faced without success apparent to us, so much so that those who share our stage think they're in because, hey, we hung out with you. You were in our streets. We, we had a church just down the street from my house. What do you mean? I, grew, I got baptized. All right, I was this, that, or the other thing. I went to confirmation. We had a baccalaureate service at high school. Whatever the Christianity that's floating around, the Christendom perks and what is being judged remember the fruit is the distinction with the parable of the wheat and the tares it was evil one fruit sons of the kingdom fruit doesn't tell you what the fruit is like except when he gathers them he gathers out of his kingdom all sin and evildoers and same here with this one he says I don't know you, all you workers of iniquity. It's like he's waiting for righteousness. What we're seeing is the fruit of righteousness of the kingdom of God in the midst of a world which were co-planted with wicked people who have every reason to think since they're not being judged, since they're not being um, yanked up by the angelic choir, um, that uh, they can check in at the last day you hear it from a lot of non-believers that, wow, well, if there's a heaven, I'll just go up to St. Peter and schmooze with him a little bit. You know, hey, I did good things. I voted Republican. Whatever whatever you did, didn't you teach in our streets? How close? They're counting on their closeness to you. It'll be a tragic judgment, a tragic miss. Mis, uh, or, um, apprehension on their part, and the Lord kind of wants it to be a misapprehension that they feel. I don't know if you've ever been bothered by our Lord's bloodthirstiness. Oh, we're going to burn them, right? You know, the mercy is I don't want to hurt the the nice guys, the good people. They're few, far between. They're growing up, producing fruit. Let's not yank them up, but boy, when we get around to yanking them up, we're going to tie them all together in bundles and burn to the bundles. And not only that, when these people get cast out, then you will weep and gnash your teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And men will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. There's kind of a neener, neener quality to this. There's kind of a yeah, I want you to be upset. I don't just want you to turn into a you know, a non-existent like the annihilationists think that oh, they just get vaporized into non-being. Eh, the Lord said that. No, no, no. At least uh, don't vaporize them quite yet. I want them to weep and mash their teeth for a while. I want them to meditate on what it was, just like we are concerned about being in a field called the world where we're supposed to produce fruit to righteousness and the ungodly are standing around in, you know, Truckloads, doing wickedness and we want it to change but we say no let me have God's mercy but let me value the fruit that we're supposed to produce I'm supposed to be producing fruit and that's going to be a judgment on fruit and the fruit will be righteousness as it says in 1 John he who does right is righteous it won't be the fruit it's not fruit when you got given the grace of God okay you got given by the faith you expressed before the gospel, you were given the grace of his righteousness. That's not fruit. Your fruit is when you do righteousness. When you live in a world that you know because you're designing what is the kingdom of God like? It's like this where people are wicked. We need to accept it. We need to know God's mercy. We need to know God's judgment. We need to be prepared. If you're not prepared for the reality of what is, what God and Christ have said is, you won't be uh, happy with what happens. You'll always be complaining. You won't be running off to the woods to live with your family, you know, so that you don't ever have to face the sons of this. The sons of the evil one, and it turns out that seven of your eleven kids are sons of the evil one. If not all of them. So, when you look at the judgment and the two circumstances in the Matthew passage, you get the non kingdom plants getting yanked up by the angel, they get harvested. They get sorted out. Everything is getting harvested, so hey, this is when we're counting up your points. And at the judgment, the householder, if you have not grown what the householder or the planter has planted, if you have only been weeds, if you've only been that kind of production, um, he's not going to let you in And with the last sort of a last thought, I a passage that is sort of a favorite of mine it's out of Luke 17. Because I want you, when you're sorting out through all the parables, and there's a lot more parables that say "And the kingdom of God is like, you're sorting out how am, I, how am I going to hold this, this perception with God's perception of his kingdom so that I see it his way. I see the world the circumstances way. One of the basic things you need to know is that not only will you be judged according to what fruit you produce, but that this is an occurrence not of our grouping, but of us as individuals. Now you know that I'm kind of an individualist. I'm a, you know the, the, this is all sin is all individual, forgiveness is individual, salvation is individual. And so this kingdom of God, which is a corporate concept, we're all in the kingdom of God together. um, I want you to understand an element of even that is individual. It says in Luke 17, being asked by the Pharisees whether the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Lo, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Other translations say within you. This is something, this order of things, this measure you have got to work out for yourselves as to how I'm supposed to view things. Not be looking at the ungodly with complaint on your lip, not failing to produce the Christian life in any sort of way and then think you can just cash in because, "Ah, you know, Jesus, he goes way back with my family. Eh, too bad I never knew you you workers of iniquity this whole thing is God wanted his sons to produce righteous fruit and he's going to judge those who fail to produce it now I am not a person who believes that you can lose your salvation by failing to do enough good works but I'm also with James on the fact that the salvation you have produces good works that's the nature of show me your faith apart from your works and I buy my works will show you my faith. We have to be producing righteousness in the field that God has planted us in. And we have to put up with the wicked. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for the time in your word. We're grateful for um, this church, wherever it's gathered together. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.